With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. What is up, everybody, and welcome into ADC Sports Dallas. I'm your host, Mauricio Rodriguez, streaming with you live every Sunday through Thursday night here at ADC Sports Dallas. Dallas is on demand sports talk network with a lot more content coming your way. Make sure that you check out the website, adzsports.com slash Dallas. I had my Isaac Alarcon story published in there today, uh, went more in-depth into the comments made by his private coach in case you want to check that out after the show. And as always, remember that prime time is brought to you by our friends over at freemanmazda.net. We will talk more about them and the ride of the week in a few moments here on the show. But before we do any of that, uh, let's dive into tonight's topic. We will talk about uh, Mel Kuyper's latest mock draft. It is a good one. And we will also get into the news around the NFL. The commanders are being sold. Finally, Dan Snyder is leaving the NFL, and obviously that impacts the Cowboys, whether whether it's uh, indirectly or directly. It is an NFC East team that gets rid of a toxic leadership and ownership. So it obviously impacts the Cowboys quite a lot. Shout out to the Facebook chat and the YouTube chat. Man, the YouTube chat is already... Uh, Gregory, Ines, welcome everyone into the show. And let's get into the mock draft already. Because as you can see from the title of the video, we need to talk about one particular potential target for the Cowboys. And it's one that is gaining steam as we get closer and closer to the NFL draft. He is a 30 visit for Dallas, by the way. And now... According to Mikers mock draft, a Dallas Cowboys, a, a, a Dallas Cowboys player. Uh, obviously, you know, it's only a mock, but interesting fit in their day two pick. That isn't new, but it does seem like if Dallas wants to land the old Miss product, it will have to be in the second round. Uh, I kind of love this pick for the Cowboys, but I want to talk more about how he is gaining a lot of steam and he's stock is rising significantly heading into the draft. I was writing about the Patriots today. The Patriots are very interested in Mingo, for example, and you know that they are going to target a wide receiver, but maybe at 14th overall in the first round, maybe that is a spot in which they don't want to invest draft capital to go get a wide out for, for Mac Jones. So maybe they wait on that and they get Mingo in the second round. One thing is clear, though, he, he is getting the respect from NFL teams this offseason. Uh, it would be 
kind of a surprising pick, especially within this mock. We'll get into that later because he's the second skill position player that the Cowboys stake in the first two rounds in Mel Kuyper's latest mock draft for ESPN. However, you cannot deny that Mingo would be a fun pick. He is 6'2", he is 220 pounds, and look at his athletic profile. You get uh, from Math Bomb this relative athletic score that it is graded from 0 to 10, and it really gives you an idea as to the athleticism of one particular player. And what jumps out of the page for these numbers, you see the the side grade is, is great. The explosion grade is elite. Speed grade comes in at great. And agility grade only at okay. But still, the explosion part of it and the speed part of it catches my eyes. Because you're getting a player that is quite, you know, big in terms of size. And that moves his feet at an insane speed. And we watched that in the Senior Bowl. He was one of the biggest winners out of out of uh, Mobile. And Jonathan Mingo is probably rising up the draft boards because of that explosion. And you look at the Cowboys and you might go, oh, but they don't need a wideout. Why would they waste a top uh, or, or a first or second round pick on, on a wide receiver? And to that, I would say maybe they don't need it, which is why... I love the trade for Brandon Cooks, but it, it's not like they have a number four wideout at the moment. And you're going to play a lot of 11 personnel in 2023. That is the new base offense. That means you need four consistent wideouts that you can rely on. So even if you target a wideout in the first round, I think that's fair for Dallas. Uh, the good news about trading for Brandon Cooks is not that you eliminate the possibility of trading of, of picking a wide receiver high in the draft. The, the beauty of it is that you eliminate the necessity, not the possibility, but the necessity. Uh, if Dallas feels like the value is not there and they would rather pick somebody else, they can do so because they already have a solid starting trio of wide receivers. Uh, but let's see in the chat just really quickly. Would you like or dislike uh, Jonathan Mingo in round two? of the 2023 NFL draft. Let me know in the chat, where are you guys when it comes to Mingo? I'm looking forward to seeing your answers. Because Mingo is kind of explosive, man. I could see him being a sort of a deep threat receiver, but also with somewhat secure hands. Let's see. Uh, Toxic Tom says, Mo, didn't you love the Tolbert pick too? Man, I loved the Tolbert pick. I was losing it on the live stream of the NFL draft. But man, if these NFL teams miss on prospects, I, I don't mind missing on prospects either. Uh, let's see here. Uh, Gregory says, dislike Ron goes with nope. And I'm pretty surprised. I'm pretty surprised that, you know, two immediate dislike answers. But that's fair. I'm not saying it's not fair. I'm just surprised though. Katharina says, I would like it most. Says Katharina uh, Ines goes with uh, like as well. Charlene Evans asking if I am going to the draft. I'm not. I'm not. I, I want to get someday. I, I want to get there someday, but it's not going to be 2023. Would love to be in the draft, though. Would love to be in Kansas City. That would be so fun. 
And yeah, it depends, obviously. Draft conversations always depend. Uh, Toxic Tom says, not to sound like a broken record, it just depends. Mark Aaron says, depends on what we do at 26. And this is where it gets very intriguing. We're going to dive into the mock in a few moments here. But just overall, the philosophy of it, Travis says, I like stacking wideouts because you never know who will be a star. And I agree. Listen, you're going to have a lot of flexibility with some of these deals, like a lot. So if you go into over the cap, for example, and you know just to get the correct numbers on this whole thing, you look at Brandon Cook's deal, even with the even with the restructure that they did that essentially ties them together for more than 2023, you could still move on in 2024 and save $4 million in cap space if it doesn't work out for any reason. And you look at Michael Gallup's contract, and even with the restructure, you can also see an out pretty soon here. Uh, maybe not in 2024, but 2025 is a year in which you could get rid of Michael Gallup, if that is the route that you want to take. But my point being, you essentially need four starting wideouts nowadays in the NFL. So we are very used to saying you cannot have too many cornerbacks and you cannot have too many defensive ends. That is like football, old school wisdom, cookie, uh, fortune cookie wisdom in terms of the NFL. I think you can add. I think you can add a wide receiver to that conversation. If you cannot have enough cornerbacks, it's because you cannot have enough wide receivers. It is a league in which your base personnel includes three wideouts. Injuries happen, fatigue happens. You essentially need your four wideout to play in what 30, 40 percent of the year's snap count, that is a high number, 30 to 40%. That's what you get out of a backup second string defensive end, for example, on defense. So getting a fourth wideout is always kind of a need for your team. I, I would assume every team is in the market for a wide receiver because of this. Now you can get into the conversation of, if I already have a dominant slot, do I pick a slot in the first round? You can get into that conversation. But for example, Mingo is a guy that I can see playing outside would be pretty interesting. By the way, here is uh, Tyler Browning's write-up on Jonathan Mingo, draft analyst for ADC Sports. I'm going to read it word by word, especially for the podcast audience. You can see it on the screen right now. Mingo does not go down easy with a ball in his hands, and he has the frame to win at the catch point. He has shown deep threat ability despite his mid-440-yard 440, dash, excuse me. He shows willingness and tenacity as a run blocker. His release package will need refinement as he has some struggles gaining separation at the line of scrimmage. He suffers from some concentration drops, and he is just middle of the road in his route running ability. Has the ability to consistently find open windows for the quarterback to throw to, especially when facing zone coverage. And Mingo has been somewhat somewhat uh, controversial, by the way. Because I think that, for example, Dane Brugler from The Athletic puts him 
outside of the top 70. I think he's even in the 80s, if I'm, if I'm remembering correctly. But he's all over the place. However, based on what Jim Nagy tweeted out from the Senior Bowl and some other insiders, it sure sounds like he's going to go in day two, and I would bet in the second round. I don't think that he escapes the second round. Nicholas says, uh, Mingo reminds me of Amari Cooper. He's a steal in the second. Toxic Tom says, Mo, if we are so hell-bent on going all-in, why not trade your picks and get proven veteran players, F them picks, push the chips in? Kind of like the, the Rams conversation that we've had before. I don't know. I will say this. It worked for the Rams. They got the Super Bowl that they wanted, obviously. I kind of struggle to believe that it is that it is the 100% correct way to go about things, though. Even though they, they proved that it worked, that it works uh, because they won the Super Bowl like that, man, they, they could have been like one play away, two plays away of not winning it in the, in the NFC Championship game, in the Super Bowl. So whether or not you take that strategy and, and that case is specifically for the 2021 Rams and you study it and you go, okay, it worked. You can also see teams that didn't do that. And I would argue that there are more of those teams that are still making it to the championship games, that are still making it to the Super Bowls. And, you know, I kind of like just... And Toxic Tom says, Eagles went from fringe wildcard to the first seed. But did they? I don't think that what the Eagles did counts as an F them pick strategy. Sure, they were aggressive in free agency. They traded away their first rounder. They went ahead and got AJ Brown in return. But I don't think that that counts, honestly, as a F them picks strategy. What the Rams did was F them pick strategy. And by the way, they nailed the second day of the draft and the third day of the draft. And that is also a huge reason why it worked out for them. They also have to have Sean McVay drawing up plays and calling the plays for them. So all I'm saying is trading away all of your picks and doing that strategy is pretty damn risky. And I don't, I don't think that the Cowboys have to do that in order to be aggressive. And you know, I don't love how the Cowboys conduct themselves when it comes to free agency and the player acquisition period. I think they could be more aggressive. I absolutely love that they went ahead and got Brandon Cooks. They went ahead and got Stephon Gilmore. That is a different approach compared to what we have seen in previous years. We even compared it to previous years, and we saw how the team had never traded for those type of players before, at least not in recent memory. The, the most similar example to that would have been Amari Cooper, and that happened midseason. It didn't happen in the middle of the offseason in March. So I, I will I will defend them on that though. I'm I'm not a fan of approaching the draft with an F them picks mentality. I'm I'm a fan of getting rid of those sixth rounders, of those fifth rounders, but I, I don't think that you need to do it uh, that way necessarily. And you know the Rams are kind of paying the consequences right now. And don't get me wrong. I would do it. Like if you would guarantee me a Super Bowl 
And, and then you told me, man, but you're going to suffer through some bad years after that. Sign me up. I'll, I'll take the Lombardi trophy. Give it to me. But you, you're, you're seeing the consequences right now with, with, the, with the LA Rams. Ron says, Breeze or Avila for O-line in round one? I would love Brian Breeze, the defensive lineman out of Clemson. I would love that. And yeah, I would pay that a consequence. I'm not, I'm not saying that, you know, because of that, I wouldn't go that way. I'm just saying the fact that it worked out for the Rams doesn't mean that is the correct way to go about things. Because it's not. It's like process versus result. And it, I'm, not, I'm not even saying that it was the bad process because I, I think for them it worked out and it was the right way to go about things. But not because one team did it, then every other team should do it. We've seen several team building strategies around the NFL and they work and they don't work because ultimately to me, it all falls down to the players once again. And the Rams had a fantastic team that are no guarantees. Exactly. As Ron says in the YouTube chat, man, if, if NFL teams had figured out like, okay, what the Rams are doing, that this is the way we're gonna 100% copycat it and and go for it the same way but no no one has done that no one has done that and i believe it's because of it anyways uh jonathan mingo make sure that you jot this name down memorize the name because he's going to be relevant in the cowboys draft whether they end up with him or they don't end up with him i will say this there's going to be some competition because there's a lot of noise about him rising and climbing climbing up the boards. And I will say it again, one particular team that I have in mind that could ruin this dream are the New England Patriots. Because I think that they need a wideout. It's been reported that they are very interested in Jonathan Mingo and some of the other wideouts that they are also interested in uh, are Safe Flowers from Boston College, Jordan Addison from USC. They could be first rounders, but maybe it, it, uh, the number 14 pick is too early for some of them, especially if the right defensive players are still there. And I could see the Patriots passing on the wideouts in the first round, and that would leave that big-time need for them in the second. But then again, the Patriots have their own way of doing things in the draft. And they're not particularly good at it uh, either. Like they're obviously a good team, a good franchise, but the draft has always been like this weird spot for them in which they do some crazy, crazy stuff. But they, their top 100 birds will look drastically different than the rest of the leagues. Let's see what you guys have to say in the chat here. Skoronsky from Northwestern, trade up to get him, says John. Oh, I think I think that's kind of tough. I think that it's kind of tough to, to see it happen. And I'm not sure that I would trade up for him, honestly. I'm not sure that I would because he would be very costly. You're probably talking about a trade into the top 10. I 100% think that's what you're talking about there. And those are very costly. I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't do that in my opinion. Uh, let's see here. Offensive line round one, says Nicholas, where we uh, we were 28th in pass protection. Darnell Wright, tackle from Tennessee. 
And I'm getting the sense that he's not going to be there either. Like some these players are always like climbing up the boards. Look at that. Anthony Rizzo from the Yankees had a home run. Now they're only 11, 11 to 2. Damn it. <laughs> Paris Johnson says John. Could be wrong, but I'm assuming that he's going to be off the board early too. Charlene Evans with the interesting question. Could Dallas trade up to get Bijan Robinson? I think that they shouldn't, but could they? I think they should not do that. And I think they wouldn't. So my answer is going to be no there. The Cowboys have not been a very aggressive trade-up team when it comes to the NFL draft. Like, being honest, when was the last time that they did that? Is it really, uh, what is it? Because uh, I'm thinking 2013, Maurice Claiborne. No, no, Maurice Claiborne is not from 2013. That is Travis Frederick. So what is that? Uh, 2012, 2011? No, 2011 is Tyron Smith. Is Mojo from 20, 2012? Man, a lot of drafts now. They didn't trade up for, for Fred. Uh, did, did they trade up for Frederick? What, what was the last first round trade for, for the Cowboys? I'm trying to remember. I know they didn't trade up for Zach Martin back in uh, 2014. I cannot remember any recent trade either. Uh, Sick obviously was the number four guy. I'm going over the... Going over the... No, they traded down and they got Frederick. I remember that there was a trade going on there. Traded up to get Tyler Vyadish. Nah, but, but first round only. It was Mojo. I think it was Mojo. I don't remember any other. 2015 was not a trade up. 2016 obviously was not a trade up. That was Seek at number four. 17 was Stacker Charlton. Later in the round, 2018 was Leighton Van Der Esch, not a trade-up. 2019, you didn't have a pick because you traded it for Amari Cooper. 2020 was obviously CeeDee Lamp at 17th. 2021, Micah, you traded down there. So, yeah, uh, I don't think the Cowboys are going to be trading up at all, even less so for Bijan Robinson. Ron says, Bijan is going to the Eagles at number 10. Uh, a lot of people are saying that Bijan is going to go to the Eagles. I'm here to sell that. I'm not, I'm not buying that. I'm not. And sure, it sounds scary. You know, the way that they run the football, add Bijan Robinson to that. They're a team that is ready to win now. So go ahead and add him. It adds up. It adds up. I get it. I get the hype. But I'm here to tell you that I am not buying into that narrative. You know, they had Miles Sanders, and they could have paid him, but they decided not to do it, and they decided to keep the inexpensive running backs around. I truly believe that the Eagles are one of the teams that, it, that are at the forefront of the analytics strength, and I don't think that the Eagles are going to waste a top-10 pick in a running back no matter how, he, how good he is. I think they've established themselves as a modern NFL team when it comes to their decision-making. And they're going to base that strongly in what the numbers say. And the numbers might say, do not take a running back, whatever happens. 
So I'm going to sell on that storyline. We'll see how that plays out. You can clip this when I'm wrong. The 27th of April, you, you can do that. And you can roast me if you want. But I'm going to sell on that. I think there are going to be some solid offensive linemen. By the time the Eagles are on the clock, there are going to be some solid. There, there's going to be at least one of the top two cornerbacks, in my opinion, an edge rusher. That has been part of their recipe for success, having a ton of, of pass rushers. So I could see one of the top corners, one of the top edge rushers, one of the top offensive linemen going before beyond at 10. But then again, he is too freaking good. <laughs> Robinson really is too freaking good, man. I think that the Eagles will grab Carter. I don't think, I don't think he's there, man. There's one thing that we figured out about the NFL. You can get in trouble. Think of think of this as a as a graph. I don't know what is the best way to, to go about it. Uh, think of it as a graph. You can get in trouble at the same rate that you are a good player. And I think Jalen Carter is really that good. I think NFL teams are not going to hesitate to take uh, Jalen Carter. If he doesn't go to Seattle at five, he goes to the Lions at six. That's what I think. The Raiders publicly said that, you know, they were going to take him off the board. But maybe that's also like, you know, knowing that he's not going to be there, maybe. I don't know. I don't, I don't think that Carter drops significantly. He's too, he's too damn good. Bring out the note cards, says Tyler Browning. Man, I have no note cards this time around. Not, not really. I, I put this show together while on the road, so I had to go the old school notebook way. But we, we, we do have a notebook, though. We do have a notebook. Mo, do you see Dallas taking a kicker in the later rounds? I could see them doing that. I think they considered it last year too, but but they liked what they had on their board. So if, if it makes sense from a board perspective, I don't think that they will shy away from taking a kicker in the draft, especially after what they what they learned the hard way last year when it was time for crunch time. Thank you for the birthday wishes, Tyler, Charlene. I appreciate y'all. My daily birthday. It is time for my daily birthday wishes. <laughs> Tommy915 says, Mo, the Eagles are stupid petty fools. Don't put it past them drafting him to keep it to keep him out of Dallas. Nah. <laughs> I know that will be kind of a storyline for, for some, but I don't, I don't think that's going to be it. <laughs> Could see could see them drafting him, but because he's too good. Could see them drafting him though. Anyways, let's move on a little bit here on the show. Uh, besides Jonathan Mingo in Mel Kuyper's draft, the Cowboys also take Michael Meyer in the first round. Uh, we're not gonna get too deep into that because we have already talked about it a lot, but I'm gonna like just insist on something that we have mentioned time and time again here on primetime. These insiders, man, they keep tying Dallas to tight ends. They keep doing it. There was a draft boss article for ESPN this morning, and insider Jordan Reed, that, that was his nugget. His nugget. He, he said, you know what? The, the Cowboys 
They're going to be looking at a tight end. They have a massive hole in there after moving on from Dalton Schultz. They're going to try to get that tight end in the first round. Watch out for Dalton Kincaid. He was cleared from his back uh, pretty recently. You guys saw the, the, the doctor's statement. So I'm just saying, man, there's a lot of noise. And there's been a lot of noise since the NFL scouting combine that the Cowboys like these tight ends. And, you know, is it a smoke screen? Is it reality? I don't know. But at the moment, I kind of feel like that is the most likely pick at 26th overall, whether it's King Kate, whether it's uh, Michael Meyer. I kind of feel like that might be the most likely pick of them all. And obviously, it all depends on how the board falls because at 26, not a lot is in your control. It is not the same as if you were discussing a top five pick. But I'm telling you, there has been a lot of noise. McShay, after the combine, McShay had a tight end for Dallas. Mel Kuyper had a tight end for Dallas. Dane Brugler had a tight end for Dallas. I think that Jeremiah also did. And this was right after the combine. I'm going to also say, though, if you tell me that first round pick, it's, it's Michael Meyer, and then second round pick, it's, it's Jonathan Mingo, two weapons for Dak Prescott right away. I could get behind that. I could get behind that. That's a sexy draft. Who knows if it is like, you know, eventually good, but, but you know, it's sexy getting two pass catchers in the opening rounds. Uh, Todd Archer from ESPN tweeted out that it would be the first time since 1995 that the Cowboys take two skilled position players if that does happen. And the uh, first time that they take back-to-back -back offensive players since 2013, if I'm not mistaken. Because that was Travis Frederick's year. Mark Aaron says, as long as Maffey is there in the third, our guy, Antonio Maffey, shout out to Tyler, who's also watching the show. He probably just, you know, started jumping around his room when we mentioned Antonio Maffey. But, I mean, he should be. He should be in the third. I like him. I don't know how I would feel about it on the third round, but but give me him. Give me him at some point in the draft. I'm excited about that pick if it does happen. Anyways, ladies and gentlemen, before we move on, though, to the latest news around the NFL, do you think the commanders are going to get slightly better, significantly better, or none at all. Let me know in the chat after they were sold from Dan Snyder. They're going to be sold for $6 billion. Let me know in the chat. Are they, are they getting slightly better or significantly better as a franchise in the, say, next five years? Let me know in the chat. Let's try to pinpoint how much this move matters. And while you do that, while you do that and before I give you my answer, let me talk to you about our friends over at FreemanMazda.net because as always, we need to talk about the family-owned business that makes this show possible. We're talking about Freeman Mazda. You can check out their dealership over at Irving, Texas. You can also visit their website at FreemanMazda.net and in there, you can browse through their wide range of new and used vehicles 
as well as the features of every car, pictures of the outside and inside of every vehicle. And as we do around this time, we're also going to get right into the ride of the week. We do that every night. And this time around, it is the 2024 Mazda CX-90 3.3 Turbo Premium All-Wheel Drive. And you already know all of this stuff, but it's got Apple CarPlay slash Android Auto. It's got all-wheel drive, obviously, a game-changing Wi-Fi hotspot, and you can check out all of the features. It's got a sunroof, third row sitting, by the way. You can check out all of the features over at freemanmazda.net. Make sure you visit the website. Make sure you get your quotes. And also, miles per gallon capacity of 24 when you are in the city. That goes up to 30 when you are in the highway. So let's see some of your answers here. Are they getting slightly better or significantly better? Let's see. How much does these matter? Jeff Clark says a lot better. Slightly for Katharina. Mark Aaron will be the same. Toxic Tom says significantly better. They needed a cultural overhaul. A lot better for Gregory. Significantly better, says Ron, because Magic Johnson owns them now. Brian says not much better. <laughs> Bring back, uh, nah, 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 nah. Uh, Stephen White says get your damn act together. I don't know if he's talking about the commanders, though. I think that he is. I think they do get significantly better, man. If, you're, if your organization is being run by somebody who's being investigated for fraud, somebody that has run a franchise that, that has also been investigated for abuse, it's always very important to, to make a change. And I think that any leadership change especially at the very top, really could do wonders for any team around the league. So I think they're going to get significantly better. I'm very intrigued as to what they will do moving forward. Uh, what is Ron Rivera's coaching status right now? Obviously, he's going to be around, right? Uh, I mean, but I'm talking more about, wait, I'm talking more about, you know, moving forward. Like, is the entire coaching staff on the hot seat right now felt like Rivera was already in the hot seat. They have Eric Vienemi now like kind of waiting for that shot, especially at offensive coordinator slash assistant head coach. So this team could be, this team could be in for some good stuff though, moving forward. Now I will say pretty, pretty ridiculous numbers. You know, the Broncos were, sold for $4.65 billion last year. The commanders just got sold for $6 billion, a little bit over $6 billion. And that is a 30% increase in just one freaking year. Kind of shows volumes as to how much money the teams make, how these assets are pretty rare, and they are not going to become available anytime that, that you want them to become available. That's why they're so pricey. That's why there is a significant premium on these franchises. But yeah, six point, what is the number? What is the official number? I think it's $6.05 billion. And you know, 0.05 might not sound like a lot, but keep in mind, 
we were talking about billions here. So it's kind of like crazy to say those numbers and to them, you know, sounding low while they're really not low, uh, low at all. Um, this is a group that's led by Mr. Harris, who also owns the Philadelphia 76ers, New Jersey Devils, has a stake on the EPL club Crystal Palace per The Athletic, and he also has an interest in the, in the Steelers too. He's going to have to get rid of that for this to go through too. But uh, hey, maybe not great news for, for the Cowboys from a sports perspective. But then again, amazing, fantastic news for the NFL. Dan Snyder is finally, finally out of the NFL. Perhaps the most toxic ownership in the sport. That's, that's changing now. So good news for the NFL. Jim Ursay got his wish. He called out uh, Dan Snyder earlier in the year, said that, you know, they could force a, sa a sale. And now they have essentially done that, even though it wasn't a forced sale or anything like that. But yeah, there you go, ladies and gentlemen. That will be it for me tonight here on the show on ADC Sports Dallas Primetime. I will see you on Sunday. I will see you on Sunday. 8 p.m. Central. Hope that you guys enjoy your week. Your weekend, I should say. Have some fun. And I will see you el domingo. Muchísimas gracias. Go check out adcsports.com slash Dallas. I have an Isaac Alarcón story there that I would love for you to read. Put some effort into that. And uh, I would appreciate you reading that. Thank you so much. I will see you el domingo. Muchísimas gracias y hasta luego. Bye-bye.